The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. And James, today, you know, upon request, we're going to go through, talk about some prospects who may still be out there in some dynasty leagues, some some risers, some pop-up guys we'll certainly talk about. But um, just want to drive home before we actually get into the specific players, just how important it is to stay vigilant, stay active on the waiver wire this time, because... A lot of profit can be made in these final few weeks, and um, you get a couple of these guys, and a lot of other owners are left kind of twirling their thumbs, having a whole off season to wait before they can make any pickups. Yeah, and you know, I just sort of noticed this today. Like, I, I'm in uh, RDI and then TDGX; they're both the exact same format. You can roster up to 43 guys, including DL spots, 10 minor league spots, 20 teams, and you know, I'm updating the top 400, like working on the final in-season update. I'm sorry that I won't be able to get that done this week, but uh, like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm over. Not half- like you got anything else going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm over halfway through and just kicking myself that I don't have more roster spots because there's like so many guys I want to add and so many guys I want to roster right now that I think are, in my mind, you know, surefire top 200 dynasty league prospects. And I just can't really make room for them. But, you know, it, that wouldn't be the case if everyone in all those leagues was staying on top of things. You know, like it, it'd be great if in all these leagues, every single owner was, you know, working year round to try to build up the you know best roster they possibly can. But that's obviously not the case. I mean, we, we've all got tons of stuff going on outside of our dynasty leagues. So I, I totally get it. But uh, while people are asleep at the wheel, this is where you can add guys. I mean, I uh, like in TDGX this time of year, 
a couple years ago, I picked up Walker Bueller. Um, like once he had just kind of returned and started throwing after Tommy John, you know, he'd been, he was unowned and like, you know, I picked him up really early. Uh, same thing with Jesus Lazardo the following year. And if you're paying attention this time of year, you can get those guys before the off season prospect rankings start getting pumped out by baseball America and, uh, MLB.com and, uh, you know, Keith Law's list. Like that's, that's where the, the majority of dynasty league players are going to be looking. They're not necessarily going to be looking at my rankings. Uh, and if you kind of just stay on top of it in September, you can add guys that by the time the draft rolls around in January or February are first round picks or borderline first round picks like, uh, you know, Luis Garcia for the nationals, uh, 18 year old up at, at high a, he was a, I think he went like around 10 overall in uh, the TDGX off season draft, but he was out there like, you know, I mean, he was, somebody could have added him last September and that was a, a guy that went in the first round. So, um, it's just really important to be paying attention this time of year. If you want to build up a really strong farm system without having to do it through the off season draft. Yeah, man. And that's, you know, you get a couple of those guys who may be diamonds in the rough before the rest of the league is on to them because with, you know, the end of the season, that's it for pickups. Everybody else has a whole off season to catch up. Meanwhile, if you're out in front a little bit now, you can make up some ground. Um, I've been just focusing on RDI to just upgrade my actual major league roster. I've had enough time, hard enough time you know, maintaining a decent starting offense. Uh, picked up G-Man, though. Huh. Hey. hey, I had time to pick up G-Man. <laughs> hey, $0 bid is 20-team league. I was kind of happy with that. But now i got to really focus over these final couple weeks just getting a few – Upgrading a few minor league spots. You know, I still have Will Benson. Uh-huh. I've been meeting to drop. I did get D.L. Hall, who's on this list you sent me, guys, who uh, may be on the radar. And I've got a few others, uh, but I think it's time to churn a little bit more over these final couple weeks. Uh, before we get into the minor leaguers, um, you know, some people have been talking, like, just given after Snell's outing, I saw people talking, like, who's the next Snell? I don't think there is a next Snell for next year. Um you know, it's very rare that a guy like going outside the top 150 ends up being a Cy Young type of guy. But uh, there are definitely going to be values. Anybody like in the top 350, you know, aside from like Mondesi, that you're on, <laughs> uh, that you're really on next year as a guy that uh, you think is going to be a, a good bargain. Well, yeah, Mondesi. Uh, I mean, last week I think we talked about Byron Buxton. Uh, he kind of fits into that for me. Um, you know, I mean. So Snell this year, you could kind of compare a little bit to like Luis Severino last year, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, pedigree guy, granted Snell was a lot better last year than Severino was the year before he broke out. But, um, you know, I, I think around one guy per year can do that. Uh, I've been a pretty big German Marquez fan uh, for a while and, in the first half of the season, I could only really start him on the road just because it just that's kind of what the, the splits dictated. Uh, but in the second half of the season, he's just been dominant everywhere. And that's a guy that uh, I can't say right now how like how much exposure I'm going to have to him in redraft leagues next year because I don't know where the price is going to settle. But like if you can get if I can get German Marquez, say around pick like 150, 160, something like that. Uh, I will be all over that. Um, Jameson Tyon's another guy that has had a really strong second half that I haven't heard a, a ton of people talking about. Not quite the same type of strikeout upside as as guys like Snell or even Marquez. But, uh, I mean, I think Jameson Tyon, I mean, if you just look at his last, like, 15 starts or so, he's just been a, a, race, a ratio force. And uh, that's a guy that, that kind of – you know, I, I, I think his best seasons are still ahead of him. So uh, that's another guy that I'll be on. Yeah, Marquez is a good one. He's had a crazy second half. But seems like, you know, once draft season rolls around, that people kind of forget the improvements with certain guys. But, yeah, those high pedigree guys that maybe hit some bumps in the road, those are always fun fun guys to target. I kind of like Musgrove again for next year. He, uh, yeah, he's been pretty good, actually. But I, I don't think he'll be priced up as much as he should be. Um Maybe you got like Wheeler too. 
I mean, he's yeah. finally gotten healthy. Um, just a couple examples. I just know people have been talking like, who's next year's Snell? Well, it's too early to say that, for one, and I don't think there's going to be one uh, that's as good as Snell. But there are always guys, you know, finding pockets of profit. That's going to be important. I think, uh, you know, one guy that might end up being a little underrated is Shane Bieber. Uh, just Dude, because he's been crazy. Yeah, the, the ERA... Like at the end of the season, I don't know if his full season ERA and full season whip are going to be quite indicative of just how well he pitched for the majority of the season. Um, so, you know, maybe the, I, I could see Bieber being one of those guys where enough people write about him and enough people pump him up where maybe he's not a, a huge value. Uh, Marquez, I, I think, is probably going to be sort of in my wheelhouse of there's just not enough people fully buying in on him and mm-hmm. I, and I can get him at a nice price, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I was looking at K minus walk leaders, you know, qualifiers since the break and he's, he's right up there. Another guy who was up there was Matt Boyd. I've been pretty happy with him and RDI well, just has kind of found money. Do you, you buying into what he's doing? Well, I mean, I, he had like 11 Ks. He's 100% like, like he has to be rostered right now and you, you have to start him. Uh, another guy like that is Jake Junis. And yeah, he's been really good too. I just, with those two, with Boyd and Junis, I guess I'm not quite all in on them, on, on it being legit. And, uh, but I also don't think the pack's going to be that in on them either. Exactly, I, I think yeah. both Boyd and Junis are pretty comfortably going to go outside the top 200 next year. And uh, I guess at, at that point, you know, it, it might just be worth uh, taking a flyer and seeing if it is legit. Yeah, see what happens. I, I, I believe more in Boyd than I do Junis, just because Junis's homer issues uh, continue to scare me. But, yeah, I think, yeah, if enough people are off of him at, at a certain price point, it just makes sense to see what happens. Is there, Can you think of a guy where maybe there's just going to be too much like like who could be this year or who could be this next year's Luis Castillo or you know even Jose Barrios who's had a great year uh like a great I mean he's been, he's a good pitcher uh I don't think Barrios has returned on uh what you've got to pay for him and Castillo definitely hasn't yeah Castillo's been awesome lately he kind of fits that same mold for next year where I, I like the improvement he's shown he's throwing harder too after the velos down earlier in the season but I just think I'll, there are going to be a lot of people who are on him, and I really don't see the ADP necessarily falling a ton for him, maybe like 20 spots or so. A guy who's maybe in that same mold is like Fulte. Like this year he was a great value, but right. I could see him going up inside, maybe well inside the top 100, maybe like top 60-ish. Well, and it's, yeah, I mean, Fulte, it's easy to see why he's appealing, though. I mean, <laughs> the, the I mean, strikeouts. I'll have him around there, but. Yeah, the the. You know, if you're looking for strikeouts, like I, I think, gosh, I'm I have so much FOMO with Fulty. I was able to trade for him in our stake league, but after years of me just pumping Fulty, I finally uh, kind of cut my losses this year and <laughs> and got out. Um, oh, so that that really sucked. But I, I might try to make up for it by going back back in hard next year. Uh, I'm interested to see where a guy like Tyler Glass now ends up settling, though, yeah. too. Um, because, Especially if he, you know, continues to slide a little bit. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the numbers are going to point to Glass now being a a really popular option, but I mean, there's a ton of risk there, so I'm just interested to sort of see if the the price is palatable. Yeah, definitely. We have kind of that too early mock that colleague Justin Mason will be putting together. It'll be interesting to see kind of where guys go even before the end of this season but um yeah there was somebody else oh on the hitting side i don't remember you being very high on him at all as a prospect but harrison bader kind of interests me for next year just given the speed yeah in the elite defense i think he's gonna be on the field close to every day yeah i was definitely not uh not all that high on bader um i was high on him like when he was at low A and double A and then I just kind of noticed some, some split issues where I sort of had him pegged as a sort of luxury fourth outfielder and, and kind of got out on him. And, and honestly, I mean, that, that still might end up being the case. Although, 
you know, maybe there's a little bit of kind of Matt Chapman there where the strikeout issues sort of scare me away. And I'm, I'm thinking playing time might not be guaranteed, but maybe the defense is just so good that he gets to play through, uh, you know, a little bit of struggles at the plate and then eventually makes enough improvements there where he's actually a, a well above average option. The speed, yeah. I mean, that's going to be, I have a feeling when we get to Arizona for first pitch, one of the top topics that everyone's going to be talking about is just speed and how do you, how do you get enough speed to compete in steals without just paying through the nose on draft day? And just like, how, how much do you have to bump guys like Bader or bump guys like Mondesi? Like, I mean, I'm going to be all over Mondesi and I'll definitely admit that I don't expect an OBP over 300. Uh, I mean, I, I, no. I would take an OBP of like 290 and I'd be happy with that if I, if I ended up with Mondesi, uh, but I'm still going to be all over him because you know those steals are just so hard to come by yeah man you got to look at the macro and the macro with steals is that they're just continuing to be harder and harder to find and i'm willing to overlook more and more you know to get some speed and we you know obviously i want Mondesi, but i know i'll probably be shut out in the leagues i'm in with you so i gotta look elsewhere and i feel like bader can maybe get 25 to 30 over a full season I, I, I mean i i i can definitely tell you that one of my strategies uh is gonna be you know if if i can in my first you know three or four picks of the draft get hitters that are going to help me with speed mm-hmm. you know if i'm picking near the top hopefully i can get trey turner and mookie Betts. if i'm picking uh further down maybe i can get uh you know a guy like acuna at the back of the first round or a guy like albies at some point you know back of the second round something like that uh where at least i know that with my first three or four hitters i'm getting double digit steals maybe i'm not getting 30 steals but if if you can get you know 12 to 20 steals with those first three or four guys then that adds up yeah getting that base building that base is important and i think that is probably the safer way to go even though i do like maybe jumping up and spinning up on a guy like malik smith because um ton of speed and hitting for a really good average getting on base at a high clip i'm I'm kind of a believer in malik smith i think he should could maybe be a top 100 ish type overall player next year but let's get into some of these prospects who may still be out there we'll see kind of broke them down into tiers the first tier is guys who may be out there even in shallower dynasty leagues where roughly 50 prospects are rostered and you mentioned luis garcia just how far has he risen for you over the course of this season I think off the top of my head, he's jumped about 180 spots. Uh, I think, you know, coming into the year, I actually liked his teammate Yasel Antuna a little bit more on that low A squad in terms of the the teenagers that they sent there. And I had Antuna ranked inside the top 100. I had Luis Garcia down uh, probably around like 200 or so. Uh, But, I mean, he made a believer out of me in a hurry. And, you know, I think quickly... You know, I think within maybe the first month, first five, six weeks of the season, I had him up around uh, 100. And then, you know, another five, six weeks pass and he's up around 50. And then now I've got him inside my top 20. And I I definitely recognize that that's pretty aggressive. It's a pretty big swing in terms of my valuing of a player just based on one season. But, uh, I mean, a heck of a season. Uh, the guy... The guy started the year as a as a seventeen year old. He's he's you know recently turned eighteen. He's up at high A now, and he's an above league average hitter. I think you can put an easy plus on the hit tool. Uh, probably uh, you could probably get to seventy on the hit tool at this point as a projection. And he's a guy that really really fits the mold of you know the player like Francisco Lindor, a player like Jose Ramirez. Uh, like an Alex Bregman, where they just don't really have any flaws. They're going to hit for a really high average. They're going to hit home runs, and they're going to steal bases. And I know that the you, you can't look at Luis Garcia's like home run totals this year as like a 17, 18-year-old and project those as, as what it's going to be in the big leagues. The fact that he's getting to any power at all while hitting around 300 at, in these full-season leagues is is impressive. He's got good size. It's it's like the perfect type of frame that I'd want to see in a guy his size where uh, I think he's like six foot, six one, 
uh, about 175, and you know, there's there's it's a lean frame. He's going to be able to add muscle without sacrificing his agility, and uh, you know, the Nationals just kind of have a way with these uh, high pri- high prize J2 guys where they just they get advanced and they, they move in a hurry. And I think he might open next year. I mean, they, they might send him to double a as an 18 year old, uh, which almost never happens obviously. And he's a guy where I think you can still pick him up in those shallower formats because the counting stats just aren't there to get people excited. It's not like he's going 20, 20 or 30, 30. He's, uh, just holding his own hitting for a high average, uh, doing a little bit in, in terms of power and speed. But I think by the time he's 24, 25 years old in the big leagues might be a 2020 guy that, that hits around 300 at a middle infield position. Nice. One of the few pitchers that you included in this tier, uh, it was Matt Manning, uh, Chris Paddock on there as well. We've talked quite a bit about Paddock, but Manning's interesting because he was the ninth overall pick a few years ago, 2016. You kind of explain his arc, like why you kind of got low on him and why he's trending back upward. Yeah, so he's a guy that the, there were velocity concerns on him about – uh, about two years ago, I want to say, like he had to start back and extended spring training. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of an up and down 2017 for him. He struggled at times to throw strikes. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I did his outlook this past off season and he finished the year so strong. Like I think his last like five or six starts of 2017 were just awesome. And, it was just kind of like, well, if if that was legit, if that's the pitcher he's going to be, uh, then you know the Tigers definitely have something. And he, you know, I was too slow this year, I think, to move him up inside the top 100. He started kind of in the 150 range, got up to like 120, 110, uh, and then you know, he's always been a guy, mid nineties, fastball, really big frame, athletic, you know, former basketball player, uh, big plus curveball. So, you know, the velocity's there, the breaking ball's there questions about the command and the changeup. Uh, our buddy Brent Hershey went and saw him uh, a few weeks ago and he was reporting that the changeup was actually the best pitch he had in that start. It was his most uh, effective pitch. So, if all of a sudden Matt Manning's got a above average to plus changeup, then he could be a number one starter. And he's been throwing more strikes. He has done the, you know, what I love to see from these high pedigree pitching prospects is when they jump three levels in a season like uh, Forrest Whitley did last year. Manning's done that. He went from low A to high A. Uh, he's going to finish the year at double A. Uh, might get a taste of the big leagues at some point next year. And I think he's got SP1 upside. Very nice. Um, some of the guys on this list here. Nathaniel Lowe, we talked about him as a pop-up guy recently. You mentioned Chris Paddock. Brian Hayes is interesting because he, he really finished on a tear. Looks like um, like 17 hits in his final three games. Or final three games. Uh, final eight games. <laughs> yeah, heck of a tear. Yeah, that'd be an insane tear. <laughs> um, but I think I need you to sell me on him a little bit more because – you know, the power was kind of middling, just seven homers, which was the exact um, – well, it was actually career high. His previous career high was six. So uh, not a ton of pop there. The speed declined from 27 steals in 2017 to just 12 this year. What do you like so much about Hayes? Uh, well, this is kind of showing my, my hit tool bias. Uh, I think it, it's a, at least a plus hit tool long term. Um he, to me, he was the most impressive player at the Futures game this year. I know he, uh, Taylor Trammell won the MVP, but uh, Brian Hayes just really uh, stood out to me as a guy that not only belonged, but looked like one of the best players there. Uh, he's he's at least a plus defender at, at third base, so you don't have to worry about him moving off the position. He's a really good athlete, good bloodlines. Um, and, you know, people will point to the seven homers as kind of like, that's disappointing, uh, I actually think it was a step in the right direction. I mean, that kind of tells you where the power was before this season. But, uh, you know, we all we often say power is the, the last thing to come for these guys. Um, Hayes, just really, really good approach. Uh, doesn't strike out much at all. 
he's upped his walk rate up over 11 percent this year there's there's above average to plus raw power in that bat it's just a matter of can he get to it in games and him posting a 150 iso this year to me is a, is a positive sign he didn't have to sacrifice any of his approach actually uh posted you know better batting average better uh, k to walk this year than he had at low a or high a and started getting to more power that's what you love to see when the guy starts to actually get a little bit more to that power and keep the rest of the profile together um just really exciting um he's a, an above average runner too so there's going to be some some stolen base potential there could maybe do like a, a 2015 season at some point at third base while hitting for a high average um just a guy that I'm, I'm very, very confident in him being an everyday player uh, and a guy that helps you a little bit in all five categories. Nice. Well, you know, the hit tool emphasis, I think, is smart. And, yeah, maybe I'll come around to, to Hayes eventually. Um, certainly looks like a good player. just don't know how he's, impactful he's going to be. Guys like that aren't for everyone. I mean, I, yeah. I've had people, like, ask me about him before and, like, you know, People that aren't that high on like Luis Urias, or you know, th- there's little JP Crawford vibe, maybe. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's po- yeah, really I, I, I could sort of see that a little bit. Um, just I mean, look at just number scouting a little bit. Crawford was one of those guys though, where like the production started to get worse as he as he got more uh, to advanced levels, and with Hayes, it's kind of the opposite. Um, and I mean, you know, the guy. This this was his age twenty one season at Double A. He's going to go to Triple A as a twenty two year old. Um, might get a taste of the big leagues next year. Maybe not, just given the way the Pirates do business. But uh, I don't think you can shift this guy. I'm just my confidence level in him hitting, you know, two eighty five or better, is very very high. And my confidence level in him eventually getting to twenty homer power is also pretty high. Uh, and you know, eventually he's not going to be a huge threat on the bases, but I think early on he's going to be a double digit steal guy. So, uh, maybe that doesn't scream high upside to some people, but I think that that's the type of player that we can get into trouble if we underrate as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's well put. Um, Christian Robinson was the next guy on the solicity set me and he was a J two signing in 2017. Uh, is he kind of on the other end of that spectrum where you maybe have some questions about the the hit tool, but the other tools are just so loud and impressive that you're uh, willing to overlook it a little bit? Yeah, 100%. He's got superstar upside. Uh, still just 17. He turns 18 in December. Uh, made it to the Pioneer League this year. Getting to that power in games. He's, I mean, he's a big kid, 6'3", 190 incredibly athletic i mean he's like like nfl wide receiver type of athlete like just big body fast um quick actions uh explosive with the bat uh yeah it's it's kind of all about will he hit enough to get to all that power to get to all that speed i think that it's a it's a pretty encouraging debut campaign uh kept the k rate below 30 percent walked a pretty pretty good amount of the time um, and, and was getting to that power, like I said, and doing it as, as the youngest or one of the youngest players in his league. So really good indicators. I mean, if you're looking just, if you're, if you're one of those people that's not that high on Hayes because you don't see the upside, uh, well, you'll see the upside with, with Robinson. I mean, he's someone who could be a top 10 prospect in like May or June next year. Um, wow. that, that type of upside. So there's, there's definitely a lot of swing and miss, which is why he's not in the top 25 just yet. But I think I'm pretty aggressive probably compared to other lists you'll see by just having him in the top 50. So in those shallower formats, he's probably still out there and, and now would be the time to grab him. Nice. Gavin Lux is pretty interesting, especially because he really kind of passed the test already at, at double a, uh, uh, 28 games there only, but you know, 120 plate appearances, decent sample, 324, 408, 495. I imagine they probably want to send him back uh, to that to Tulsa to start next season. But do you think there's a chance we could see Lux, especially, you know, depending on what they do at the, in free agency, they could have a need there in, in Los Angeles. I think we could see him at, at some point in 2019. 
We'll see. I, I think it's it's good to point out that it, it probably will come down to need. Uh, you know, like Alex Verdugo has been ready for the big leagues all summer and they don't have a need in the outfield. So he's still at triple a, or, I mean, he spent the, the whole season or most of the season at triple a, uh, but yeah, they're, they don't have that same type of depth on the infield. Um, he is someone that just really surprised me this year. I just didn't see this type of offensive output coming from him. I thought maybe he'd be someone that hit just enough to be an everyday second baseman, but was kind of more of like a, you know, maybe he's a middle infield option at some point in, in fantasy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he obviously took advantage of the Cal League. That that needs to be said for sure. But um, the fact that he didn't really skip a beat and actually slightly lowered his K rate and upped his walk rate and once he got to double A definitely tells you that um, this is a guy that's really kind of coming into his own as a prospect. I think the batting average is you know a little bit above his head for sure. I think he's probably more of like a... 275 280 guy if everything breaks right but he's just like with uh with Hayes he's a guy with power and speed and it's uh you know kind of sneaky power and speed where maybe there's a 2015 season in there at some point um and he's gonna stick in the infield which is nice uh just a, a heck of a season by Gavin Lux very nice um Nolan Jones and Ian Anderson also on that tier a quick read, though, before we move on to the next tier. Fantasy baseball fans, still a couple weeks left to play on FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind. Something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, Sign up today at fanduelcom slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription, which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful. With your first deposit on Fanduel, just visit fanduelcom slash RW. Void where prohibited. Next up, James, you kind of broke this again into tiers, and this next one is for guys in the, the 50 to 150 range who may be available, um, you know, 50 to 150 prospects. Um, so that kind of correlates with your list here. But Deshaun Knowles, not a guy I knew a lot about coming in, only 17. Um, and you may look at the Sloan base total to see, you know, nine and 58 games. I think it's kind of underwhelming, but our note here says that he has plus plus speed. What kind of grade would you put on that tool? Yeah, I mean, he's a burner, uh, 70 grade runner. He's just like Christian Robinson. Uh, both guys are from the Bahamas. Uh, that's kind of turned into a exciting pipeline of, of talent to uh, professional baseball over these past couple seasons. Uh, Knowles isn't the type of physical specimen that Robinson is, uh, but he that's not always a bad thing. I mean, like if you look at you know my dynasty rankings, like go look at the guys in like the top fifteen. They're not all built like you know, Juan Soto or Mike Trout, like Mookie Betts is in there, Francisco Lindor's in there, Alex Bregman's in there. Like it's not the end of the world if you're kind of more slight and sometimes that gives you just better barrel control and, uh, you know, better coverage of the plate and it can lead to high batting averages. We've seen guys like that uh, with really strong forearms and a quick bat uh, get to big time power. Uh, Knowles has kind of yeah, I mean, he really surprised me this year. Another guy that jumped a couple levels, started in the AZL. Um, and now he's uh, now he's up in uh, the Pioneer League, I believe. Um, but he's, you know, he's having to make some adjustments with that, with that uh, bump in competition. He's striking out a bit more. But just the fact that he got that bump in competition as a 17-year-old with those tools speaks a lot to, uh, you know, how advanced he is, how hard he works. He, he definitely gets good grades for his makeup. Uh, doesn't have probably the type of ceiling that Christian Robinson does with the diamondbacks. Um, just because I, I don't really see like Robinson could be like a 30, 30 guy. Knowles probably more of like a 15 to 20 homers, 30 steals, that type of thing uh, by the time he gets to the big leagues. But, you know, he's got a pretty good handle on the strike zone for his age. I think he could hit for a high average, and he's flying under the radar in in a lot of leagues. 
mentioned D.L. Hall in passing earlier, and I think when I got him in RDI, he was in like the 120 to 150-ish range. feel very fortunate. You know, he was a riser then, but he just continues to rise all the way up to 62. He's got the two uh, green arrows next to his name. Why does he just continue to rise up your ranks? I, I just I think the guy's a stud. Uh, that's really high for a pitcher who hasn't pitched at high A yet. And I, so I realize that's, that's pretty aggressive. Um, but I, I think the guy could be an ace at some point. I mean, I don't really throw that term around lightly, but I mean, he's got great size, six, two lefty, uh, a pretty good athlete. I really like the delivery. Um, he's, he can be just overpowering with that mid nineties fastball from the left side. Now he's got the hammer uh, breaking ball, and he's starting to flash a, a pretty decent changeup. And he's throwing—he's really throwing a lot more strikes than I thought he would this year. Uh, that was kind of my concern on him uh, coming out of the draft. Uh, just seemed like there was a lot of bullpen risk there if he wasn't able to throw strikes, just because with that fastball and the curveball, he might be able to to move pretty quickly as a reliever. But uh, he's answered all those questions. Um, hasn't hasn't jumped the levels in a way like Matt Manning has, so that's why he's a, a little bit lower. But like Manning, I mean, he just checks all the boxes you look for with velocity, uh, pitch mix, the ability to throw strikes with that type of stuff. Uh, I think he could be a, a top of the rotation guy at some point. Nice. Well, at least some reason, you know, a sliver of sunshine maybe at the end of the tunnel for O's fans. I know that's a long tunnel, a lot of darkness, but. Um, yeah, Hall is definitely a guy to, to be excited about. Uh, can't really spend time on every one of these guys, but Luis Rangifo also on here, Vidal Brugin. Bubba Thompson I like quite a bit as a power speed guy, more so for speed. Uh, but are you coming around on the hit tool with him? Uh, I'm, I'm coming around on him hitting enough to play. Uh, probably wouldn't expect much more than like a, a 265 average from him. Um, you know, he he might be one of those guys that struggles initially in the big leagues to hit for average. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, he's a, he's a burner. He's going to stick in center field, but there's big time power in that bat too. Uh, I mean, he can hit him. He can hit him a ways. So, you know, kind of a, just your classic sort of Texas Rangers, super tooled up uh, outfield prospect, kind of in the mold of uh, Louis Brinson or Nick Williams, uh, they obviously dealt those guys, but they, they drafted those guys. Uh, Bubba Thompson kind of fits that mold. George Valera up at 74. Um, he, yeah, he, I know that he's only he barely played this year. Yeah, he had a hamate fracture. I listed him here just because he actually got dropped in one of uh, the sort of industry dynasty leagues I'm in, and then he was immediately picked up. But I just want to like alert people like if someone dropped George Valera uh and you're in a league where like 100 prospects are rostered you need to go get him because you know entering the season he was kind of the 1B to Wander Franco's 1A in terms of guys from that J2 class and obviously the the hamate fracture sucks we didn't get to see much of him this year but I wouldn't be surprised like if he impresses and instructs next year there's a chance they would just send him to a full season league um, to kind of push him a little bit more. Maybe they just you know play it cautious, hold him back, maybe send him to the New York Penn, New York Penn League. Um, but he's a guy where there, this is an opportunity to get him uh, either off waivers or possibly cheap in a trade. And you know he's a guy that kind of like Christian Robinson, you know, come. June, July, August next year, he might be a top 25 prospect, big-time hit tool potential, big-time power potential. Nice. Tyler Freeman is next up on this list. He's up at 75 overall. I imagine he's kind of a you know hit tool guy that, that you think could figure out figure out the rest at some point. Um, J.B. Bukowskis, we know quite a bit about him, but why is he back moving up your list? Uh I was dead wrong about Bukowskis, or at least it looks that way right now. Uh, kind of like with Hall, you know, big pedigree guy, but guy with two monster pitches and questionable 
command that I thought uh, carried a, a good amount of bullpen risk. But he's shown a, a pretty good changeup this year, and he's just overpowering hitters at this point. I mean, his his last two months, they just have to keep challenging him, keep bumping him up levels. I think he's at double A now. Uh, I mean, he's just dominating uh, the the hitters in the lower levels. Um, big time upside with him. I, I'm interested to see how he does over a, a longer sample size against double A AA and triple A hitters, but. Uh, a guy that I was definitely wrong about before the season, but he he should be owned in in leagues where 100 prospects are rostered at this point. Nice. Is it is Davy Davy Garcia? Devi Devi. Yeah, overthinking it again. Uh, Joe Palumbo and then Malcolm Nunez. I don't really know much at all about him, uh, but you said you've been getting a lot of questions. What are your thoughts? Uh, he's just really tough for me to evaluate right now. He was a 2018. Uh, July 2 signing, but he was a 17-year-old. So, uh, you know, most of the guys that sign at July 2 are 16. Nunez is from Cuba, uh, and he just went right into pro ball. A lot of times those guys just get held out. Uh, one of uh, one of my buddies that's in the, the Devil's Rejects League uh, with me was asking, you know, if, if it might have been the fact that they couldn't get him a visa that he was stuck in the Dominican summer league. And I think that that, that kind of passes the smell test for me. Uh, I mean, he's just been way too good for the Dominican summer league. That's very clear. Uh, the bat is pretty advanced for his age at, at 17 years old. Uh, my questions with him are just the defensive profile, given how big he is right now. He's five eleven. He's already over two hundred pounds as a seventeen year old, and he's a righty righty guy. That's not good. Like you, you, you almost have to be. I mean, you don't have to be a Vlad Junior level guy to pull it off, but pretty close. Like, I mean, I I hate Vlad Junior's body. Like, I would never. Like, you have to be kind of a generational talent to kind of get away with having that pull type of that body, body. <laughs> <laughs> and so. You know, Nunez has he hasn't even made his, his stateside debut yet, so I'm not going to put him in my top 100. But there's enough buzz surrounding him where I think he's a top 150 guy. I think it's really going to be interesting to see where he goes in Dynasty League drafts this offseason because he'll be available with all the the 2018 draftees, the other top J2 guys. Uh, and he's you know I wouldn't be surprised if he's the top international guy in a lot of leagues. So. Just a guy that you got to be aware of, obviously. Um, I'm worried that he ends up tumbling down to like first base or something like that eventually, just given where the body's at right now. Uh, I'm also just, you know, I'd like to see what he does against more advanced pitching before I fully buy in on on the bat, but uh, a guy that's really helped himself since signing. Nice, man. I was doing some Control-F searches on the top 400 to get an idea of you know, searching most player names, getting an idea of how much work I'm going to have to do on Sunday uh, in Fab. And, you know, Matt Sauer, nowhere to be found. That's not a big surprise. He wasn't that high. But Griffin Canning, off entirely. That's, no, he's not off. Oh, he's not? Well, you're, you got to do the okay, – uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of clunky now. Um, how do you do that? I think there's like a bar. Up oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just so used to control of. I think Sauer. Canning's – uh, 145. He really struggled to close out the year. Uh, but I was jacked to get him initially, but... I mean, he's... Uh, stocks can rise and fall in a hurry. Yeah, he's... He should definitely be rostered in, in RDI. Uh, I think, you know, we're talking about guys like uh, Bukowskis and D.L. Hall and Matt Manning. Canning doesn't have that type of a ceiling. Uh, I think he's more of, you know, hopefully he's a number three starter, that type of thing. But he's going to open the year at AAA. He's probably going to join the big league rotation in June or July. So that's that's a big selling point with him. Nice. Yeah, I'd forgotten that that search bar was added. That's that's a good thing. Um, before we move on, I mean, we're probably going to have to go over this last year pretty quickly. But do you have a kind of a set rule that you like to follow in terms of how you split up your your farm system? Say, like in RDI, where you have ten roster spots, do you try to go? really light on pitching prospects just given the the bust rate uh i don't really care like if if the best players available are all you know i mean i'm never gonna roster 
I'm just never going to roster as many pitchers as I do hitters just mm-hmm. because that's not like the top 400 isn't laid out that way, right? Like it's it's roughly 70% hitters, 30% pitchers. So it's just it's never going to work out where I'm re- rostering as many pitchers as I am hitters. Uh but that said, like I I really strongly disagree with people and there's a ton of people out there cuz I I hear it all the time. Like people just say like I just don't I don't roster pitching prospects like blah 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 like well if you operate with that hard stance you're gonna miss like that pitchers are the guys that pop up the fastest and like like i was saying at the top of the show like walker bueller jesus lazardo those guys come back from tommy john and the like they're pumping 96 uh wipe out breaking balls all you need is just one inning of watching those guys to know that about them, you know, like you don't need to see what they do over like a, a month long stretch against pitching. Uh, you can just see it right away. Like, Oh, this guy's a stud need to add him right away. Um, you can't really do that as quickly with hitters because you kind of need a bit more of a sample size. Um, and a guy that kind of reminds me of that this year is Joe Palumbo who came back from Tommy John with the the Rangers and has just been absolutely lights out um I think he's got the highest strikeout rate in the minors uh since <coughs> since he returned excuse um, me obviously they kind of eased him in at high a where he just completely dominated uh now he's dominating at double a uh lefty 94 mile an hour fastball wipeout breaking ball uh pretty good change up really good command uh, that's a guy that, that might open next year at AAA. Uh, maybe it maybe starts for a month or so at AA, but he's probably going to be in the big leagues next year if he stays healthy, and I think he's got at least number two starter upside. That's a guy that's out there in a ton of leagues right now just because he missed so much time with the, the Tommy John. Uh, but if you're paying attention right now, you should add him, even if you'd prefer to be rostering hitting prospects. You know, the, the hitting prospects that pop – they get rostered in a hurry, and sometimes you just have to roster pitchers uh, when you're just looking for overall upside and overall potential. Yeah, I feel like I've had a <coughs> excuse me, getting over this illness, but I feel like I've had an imbalance in my farm system and RDI. But I don't want to force it, you know, to try to to get hitters and drop drop arms who are pretty good too. I don't want to. Well, yeah, and do that. And if you stay, if you stay active, like, um. You know, if you stay active throughout the whole season, hitters are going to pop, and, you, and you're going to be able to add them. But yeah, don't force it. You know, just if you don't want to do the research yourself, just use my rankings, and you know, I'll try to keep them as up to date as possible. And you'll still be able to add, you know, guys like Deshaun Knowles next year, and, and guys, um, guys like Tyler Freeman next year. Like those guys are still going to pop. You just have to pay attention. Uh, with the hitters, I mean, with the pitchers, you can kind of be asleep at the wheel for a couple of weeks and then come in and, and still get a, a stud because people are, um, you know, kind of wary of pitching prospects, rightfully so. But when a guy's got number two starter or number one starter upside, like you still need to roster that guy because if it hits, then it hits in a really big way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some other guys here in this last year, just the the first few names uh, for leagues with 150 plus prospects rostered: Lewis Thorpe. Uh, Gabriel Arias, Jake Fraley, Francisco Morales, uh, Luis Oviedo, Andres Munoz. We've gone a little long here. I don't want to keep you too far past your your time in the office, but anybody you would want to mention here that is a bit of a big pop-up guy? Yeah, uh, I'll go quick here. Um, Luis Thorpe's at, already at AAA, but he's out there in some pretty competitive leagues I'm in, so check if he's available. Uh, Jake Fraley to me reminds he, he reminds me a lot of Mitch Hanniger in that he's just one of those guys that's old for his level. In his case, it's it's mostly been due to injuries, um, but he's just absolutely raking. He was the best hitter in the Australian Baseball League uh, last winter. Um, he's got plus speed. He's he's a good defensive center fielder. He's got pop. I think there's a chance that he could turn into a legit player. And yet, because of his age, he's available pretty much everywhere um andres munoz is a relief pitcher he's by far the highest ranked relief pitcher i have in these rankings he actually might be the only one uh that's strictly a reliever right now that i have ranked in the top 400 uh but he's easy 102 103 he's 19 years old he's a double a he's gonna be the padres closer 
at some point next year or 2020 at the latest if he stays healthy. So, you know, I know rostering relief pitchers in the minors is, is a dangerous game, but I think he should be rostered in leagues the size of RDI because I think he could be a top five closer for a long time. Uh, John Torres was traded from the uh, Indians to the Cardinals at the deadline this year, and he's just mashed at at rookie-level stops this year, big-time upside as kind of a classic power-hitting right fielder. And then the uh, Tusupita Marcano is a shortstop in the Padres system, really skinny guy, but uh, projectable enough where you could maybe see him kind of developing a you know Francisco Lindor type of frame eventually. He's a plus runner, plus hit tool, really good command of the strike zone, uh, like the upside there. And then just Garrett Whitley is another guy where he's probably unowned because he missed the whole year with an injury. But now that we're heading into the offseason, Garrett Whitley still is a guy with 70 speed, uh, really good defender in center field. Uh, plus raw power he's going to be healthy next year he will go in a lot of your offseason drafts so if you're in a league where 200 guys are rostered and he's out there you can get him for free right now uh, whereas you'd probably have to take him in like the third or fourth round of your draft if you wait till this offseason nice well great stuff as always really appreciate it james um yeah this is good stuff i got some some work to do best of luck to you and your leagues the rest of the way i will be on the podcast tomorrow with Zola, but James and I will be back with you next Thursday on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.